Welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm and trauma. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm and trauma. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome to Start By Listening. It's your girl, Jennifer, and I'm feeling a little today, just to be honest. Yeah, welcome. It's Shelby, and I'm also having a blah day. I think it's probably partially to do with the topic that we're discovering, discussing today. Yeah. Human trafficking. I think it's a heavy topic, and the weather is heavy today, like literally, like fog advisory, thick as pea soup, fog can feel all different kinds of ways on your body, yeah, and when people hear the word human trafficking, we have lots of responses to that, so many people will go, what is that, or oh my gosh, that doesn't happen here in my community. Well, I hate to break it to you. It happens everywhere. It happens in our small community in Western Kentucky, and it happens all across the United States and all across the world. And this is our topic for today because January is National Human Trafficking Awareness and Prevention Month. So we thought we would use our platform to bring a little bit of education to you wonderful audience members so that hopefully you can learn something new about what it means for survivors of human trafficking and victims who are still stuck in what we call, um, or other nonprofits call, modern-day slavery. Isn't it interesting how so many social justice issues have a whole month dedicated to them? And yet, the way the algorithms work in the world of AI and IT and the interwebs, if you're not plugged in, right, to certain channels, certain frequencies, there's a high possibility that this is something new that you're learning about today. Also, depending on where do you live in this world? You know, are you living... In Wisconsin, in the United States? Are you living in Oregon, in the United States? Or are you living in France, right? Over in Europe, maybe you're in Paris. What if you are one of our listeners in the Philippines, right? Different cultures um, have different access to information based upon their governments and who's in charge of information. Um, So... For some people today, this might be a very radical thought or idea. For others, it might land very differently because, you know, they themselves might be a survivor or a current uh, person who is in human trafficking. And so things are going to land differently, right? So I guess the whole roundabout way I'm coming up to is that today our topic is going to be heavy and it might be difficult. And if you find yourself kind of going, ugh, It's okay, right? Push pause, push stop, take a break, move away, move your body, do something different, you know? Um, Because it's all not unicorns and rainbows and sunshine. 
Yeah, awareness is important. However, it is also important to take care of yourself and take breaks because this is good knowledge to have, but, not but, and it's also important to care for yourself. So I'm going to use that segue to go into the definition of human trafficking. And we got this from the Department of Homeland Security. They have what they call the Blue Campaign. They're one of our sources for today. And they define human trafficking. Um, Human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Every year, millions of men, women, and children are trafficked worldwide, including right here in the United States. It can happen in any community, and victims can be any age, race, gender, or nationality. That is a very succinct definition. And I really like how they have the words force, fraud, or coercion. You know, because in our world, we hear a lot about force, right? In sexual abuse, sexual harm, and in rape, right? We hear people, I was forced. Um, In my journey in this profession, I haven't heard a lot about fraud. That's something new for me and for my nervous system in regards to trafficking. Um, And coercion, ooh, that's the word that a lot of people don't really know or think about in terms of sexual harm, sexual assault, sexual abuse, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very important term because a lot of people have a lot of guilt and shame that's harbored around being coerced to doing something because coercion ends with you doing something reluctantly. It's you giving in to the person who is forcing you, right? It is against your will and you don't want to do it, but you feel like you have no other choice. So you acquiesce. And that comes with a lot of like, oh my God, well, I did it. I did it, so I am to blame for this. When no, that is not the case. That is not the case at all. Yeah, there's a great book that, uh, the therapist use here at New Beginnings, um, and it's called Unfuck Your Boundaries. And it's a great workbook. Um, you know, like anything in life, I cherry pick and I choose what I need for each individual, right? This is not going to be a workbook for every person. But what I really like about this book is in the back, they have coercion red flags in relationships. And so I was just talking about this the other day with a client as I read these statements, I want you to think about romantic, friendship, family, and if they were in a working environment, I would also add work into that. Because when we begin to see coercion much more broad than when it's happening in real time, it's like, oh, that's what coercion is. And she so eloquently said, it's like putting somebody on a guilt trip to make them do what you want them to do. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, that's that's manipulation, isn't it? I said, yes. 100%. Yeah. So I really like that they have the word coercion. Um, 
because it's something we don't think about. And it can be very, very simplistic in the thought of it's a woman's duty to um, supply her husband with sex, right? That's like a societal or even a cultural or even a religious ideology. Marital rape was still legal in the United States until the 90s. They're still fighting for that uh, right in West Virginia in Congress as of last year. Wow. Mic drop. Oh, my gosh. How many many people are going to have to be hurt before we as a society begin to say, this is not the way? So many. That's where revolution stems from. But back to human trafficking. So yes, I digress. As the local sexual violence resource center, we acknowledge that labor trafficking is also very prevalent here in the United States. We see it in factories, in domestic labor. But we're really going to focus this episode on sex trafficking um, due to the nature of our services, the nature of the clientele we see. Um, We really want to bring to light the different types of sex trafficking that are out there and ways that victims, survivors get roped in and hopefully sometimes escape sex trafficking. Yeah. And, you know, on the details section of our episode, we're going to list the different uh, websites that you can go to. And then today we're also going to end with what do you do if you have suspicion or knowledge of, right? Because... That's what we're all about. We want to educate to help those who need our help. Um, I was really, like, when you and I sat down to kind of talk about, like, oh, what do we want to do, you know? Some of these terms, I'll be honest, like, I know about sex trafficking. I know what it is, but I did not know how nuanced it was in the different types of sex trafficking. Because in my mind, I was just like, oh, it's just sex trafficking, you know, and I didn't think about that there's, like, subsets, I guess, is a, a word to use. Um, so I really appreciate the websites that you provided when I was looking through and reading through them. I was like, oh, my gosh, wow, that's, didn't really think about that. Yeah, so I pulled this from the Polaris Project, which is the host of the National Human Trafficking Hotline, um, which is a resource, again, we'll list in the description. And... So sex trafficking isn't black and white. A lot of the imagery that we see, a lot of the movies that we see, it is women chained up in basements. It is a very um, violent picture that comes to mind when most people think of human trafficking. So again, the Polaris Project uh, on their website broke it down into about six to eight different types of the most common stories they see from survivors of sex trafficking. And I do want to mention, we did state that force, fraud, or coercion is what makes it human trafficking. That is not the case if the victim is a minor. So force, fraud, or coercion do not need to be present if the person who is 
doing the sex acts is a minor. So anyone under the age of ni- of 18, anyone under the age of 18, if they are in any form of sex work, that's human trafficking. Plain as that. Excellent. Because they don't have a choice in the matter. Even if they think they do, they are still a minor and they are being coerced in a way by some adult. Love that. Love that clarification and knowledge drop, right? For some who might have thought otherwise. But so, yeah, there is no such thing as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old prostitute. Yeah, that does not exist. Um, I ran into this actually the other day on a module with school. Um, One of the case studies, they said, a 16-year-old prostitute comes to your office. I reached out out to my uh, course instructor and I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Um, You are educating a new class of social workers, so we need to update this language immediately because there is no such thing as a 16-year-old prostitute. They updated it to say 16-year-old sex worker, and I was like, well, I feel like you really need to add the nuanced nature that even if this 16-year-old self-identifies as a sex worker, they are being trafficked because if there is a boyfriend or a pimp that they work for, that is trafficking. And if they are having sex with adult men for any type of housing, food, shelter, that person who is assaulting them, whether or not the 16-year-old believes it's sex work, they are trafficking them. Yeah. They can be arrested for human trafficking, as they should be. Absolutely. It is coming to a different awareness that behaviors do not dictate morality, right? It's when somebody is placing their value system and their morality on another person, and that's really dangerous. But children are children. Even if you're 17 and three quarters, you are still legally a minor or a child. Um, And it's our job as safe grown-ups to protect you even if perhaps you don't want that in that moment. Research shows that the brain is still developing at that age. So Romeo pimps or boyfriending, like I had only ever just heard the word pimp. Yeah, so let's differentiate the Romeo pimp versus the CEO pimp. So... The Romeo pimp, again, according to the Polaris Project, one of the most common forms of trafficking they see is when a victim is coerced by typically an older man. Um, they are showered with love and attention. They think they're in love. They think they love this person. This person is saving them from whatever situation they come from, maybe providing them with nice clothes for the first time in their lives, taking them to dinners, giving them everything that they think they need in the moment, and then turning and saying, if you don't have sex with this client, if you don't have sex with my friend, I'm going to leave you. We're not going to, you're not going to get any more gifts, or I'm going to harm you. So... I was also looking at, because we did this in, I think, episode or season two, 
when we talked about different facets of sexual abuse and things. I was really curious, like, who do these Romeo and CEO pimps, who do they look for, right? Because technically, they would be considered a predator if we Mm -hmm. go to the animal kingdom. And so they're always looking for a prey, right? And so in season two, we talked about um, how are children lured and what makes somebody a lure, right? What do they look like? What does it sound like? Um, and so in the website, they talked about the traffickers look for things to exploit, such as kiddos, adults who are in poverty, familial instability, a.k.a. chaos in the family home, violence in the family home. Children in foster care. Yes. Big one. Yes. People with mental health challenges, people with disabilities that might be physical or intellectual. Um, Social minority. Now that one really caught my attention because I think in today's world, Everyone is so worried about how many likes is this photo going to get on Instagram or my video, excuse me, on TikTok, right? Like, I need this social capital. I need this social presence. And so kids who aren't that level, and we know how kids are with self-esteem and self-confidence and developmentally, can be very challenging in the middle school, elementary, and high school years. Um, they're looking for targets like that. They're looking for kiddos and adults who feel left out, excluded. Um, big word coming to mind, bullied. Yeah, so a lot of traffickers are using the internet and people's online presence to groom and recruit people. Online trawling is a huge um, way that they are seeking um, victims, vulnerable victims to recruit. And especially in the Romeo pimps, when the person is believing they are in an actual relationship. So, you know, if one of our wounds in childhood is not being seen, and that means, you know, being paid attention, right, given love, kindness, affection. Here comes along someone who begins to meet those needs while it is not genuine. But in that moment, the nervous system is thinking, oh, my gosh, someone finally loves me. Mm -hmm. And I'll do anything for that person that I love, even if it makes me uncomfortable he told me I need to do this, so I need to do this to keep him happy and to keep us together. Yeah. And think of, this is just a very small comparison, but think about somebody who's really important in your life, somebody who you care a lot about. And they come to you and they say, oh my gosh, I need you to do blank for me. Uh, Maybe it's, I need you to do a 12-hour trip with me, you know, help me keep... And even though you're like, my gosh, I don't have time off from work, but because I really care about this person, I'm going to say yes. That's just the same simple way, except in this instance, 
this is manipulation, this is coercion, this is the icky, gross way that um, a pimp is securing money. And it escalates over time. It starts with little things and then gets more and more and more and more as they push boundaries and feel more comfortable in that manipulation. And they know that after so long, you're not going to leave. So with a CEO pimp, rather than having the victim fall in love and um, think it's a relationship, the CEO pimp is the boss. So this is a lot of times um, the people who run strip clubs and not your high-class, exotic dancer strip clubs. These are the strip clubs where they're doing illegal things behind the scenes. And again, these traffickers target vulnerable individuals, um, women who may have uh, substance use issues, just extensive histories of trauma, honestly, and are looking for a way to make money. So they start dancing, and then it turns into, oh, you're not getting noticed because you're not going above and beyond, and you have to do this. And then it escalates to, oh, if you don't do this, you'll no longer have a place to stay. You'll no longer have a place to work. You're going to get blackballed by every club in this city, the manipulation behind it to make you feel like you have no other option is what these traffickers do. And I'm just going to put a plug in here. Um, the Romeo pimps, the CEO pimps, and the other types of uh, sex trafficking we're going to talk about today, um, these people can be women. It does not have to be a man thinking of like madams yeah during you know i'm going back in time to like western right the 1800s 1700s uh, brothels right in the wild wild west but also there were brothels in new york city right like from the 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 gamut and the whole thing of wealth to to poverty. Ooh, okay. So I hear where you're going with this and I want to I haven't done a lot of research into this, so I may be totally off base. However, I know that madams in the Wild West were some of the first entrepreneurs and they were one of the first like people bringing in money and they were running those towns. So I don't necessarily know if there was force fraud or coercion involved or but that was just a genuine sex work knowing that was the best way to make an income. You know, and I don't want to put down women who are in sex work voluntarily Absolutely. who are doing this because it is an effective source of income and I agree. It's both. It's both. It's both. And it's you, there's a line that becomes crossed. And I am not the one to define where that line is. But you are right. Women can also be traffickers. Yeah. We just don't see it as often. Um, Correct. Which is why I stereotype. Yeah. But that's why I brought it up. And and you're right because there is a fine line. There are many adults, let's classify, right? Because can't be kids. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) As you so eloquently said before, there are many adults who are empowered and um, are actively engaged in sex work. And yes, absolutely 100%. 
power to you if you're not being coerced and frauded, right? And many, one million percent, I agree. And I, I just, I think, thanks for bringing that up and bringing that back because I just want people to know that the stereotypes we're told is these are men, and, and that's true. But there's also women that are predators as well, as we'll find out when we kind of talk about familial systems of sex trafficking. Yeah. Well, I mean, perfect segue. Let's start talking about what happens within family trafficking because the stereotype with family trafficking, a lot of times we see it is the mother's trafficking and family trafficking situations. However, this is where it gets really complicated because the world is not black and white. There are a thousand shades of gray. A lot of times the Mothers who are trafficking their children are survivors of trafficking themselves. It's that generational trauma. And I'm not forgiving it. I'm not saying that it is right in any way, shape or form. You would hope that after experiencing that level of trauma, you would want to break those chains. However, we know that trauma effects impacts every aspect of life. So. Absolutely. I mean, that's so true. And. You know, when I'm doing my education with all of my clients, whether they're kids or adults, I always talk about that we've been stereotypical led to believe that only men are abusers. And so when we begin to kind of peel back those layers, we see that it's it can be anyone. And... In the familial systems, what I have seen in my last seven years in doing the job I do, it has been mothers and it has been grandmothers that are the sex trafficking of children in family units. And I think we don't wanna we don't wanna see that. Because what is our view of women in general nurturing, right? Caregiving kind, loving, and that's what we have been indoctrinated to believe. And so now this is pushing up against this, and that cognitive dissonance is always going to win, right? That's where no matter how many facts I'm giving, statistics I've given, no matter how much research my emotions that are tied to my beliefs will, I'm not going to say always, but I'm going to say many, many, many times, win. Well, I'm sitting right here and I still don't like what you're saying. <laughs> you, said in, you said indoctrinated and I'm like, oh, can we say conditioned? Indoctrinated sounds so aggressive and like evil. Like we're conditioned to view women as caretakers because I want... I don't want to believe. I don't want to believe it. I know it's the case. I absolutely know it's the case. But you're right. We don't. We don't, don't want to acknowledge it. It's. I don't. It's want, icky to think of. What? Because here's why. This is Jennifer's thought. This is nobody else's. Or if it is, I've never seen it. Right. But totally, one hundred percent owning this, my own. If I fully let myself believe that women are capable of doing violence in this capacity. What does that say about me as a woman? Right? Like, and I don't want to think about that. That we're all capable of terrible things? Yeah. Like, terrible things from killing a bumblebee, right? 
all the way to spicy to murder, right? There's, there's so many spicy levels, but it's, it's hard. And we've seen, I'm going to say several cases over the course of my seven years, but not as many as I think are truly out there. Oh, yeah. You know, we only know what's reported. And as far as services, you know, we at New Beginnings, we don't go seek out clients, right? We want to empower clients to step into their power, step in their truth, and come to us. And plus, rude, if I go calling and knocking on somebody's door. Like, hey, I heard that you might be trafficked. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know they're being trafficked. Honestly, it takes a while to come to that realization. Just Mm -hmm. like I don't want to believe that women are capable of it. I don't want to believe that my entire life is, um, how do you say, when you're younger or when you live in a situation, it becomes so normal. It becomes so normal. And anything outside of normal is scary. Yes. One, one million percent because for the nervous system, it is what is familiar is safe. Even if violence, which we know cognitively is not safe, right? But our nervous system, if we've grown up in that, our nervous system finds that to be familiar. Mm -hmm. The danger we know is safer than the potential safety we don't know. Yeah, because if I'm a kid and I tell somebody that my mom or my dad or my grandmother or my grandfather, whoever, has their friends come over, whoever, and they sexually assault me and then they get paid for that, well, what's going to happen to me? Where am I going to go live? It Could that even be worse than, for my nervous system, what I know? And then mom, dad, and grandpa is saying, this is normal. You have to do this. No one's going to believe you if you tell someone. And if you do tell someone, you're going to die. Your dog's going to die. We're going to abandon you. All of the connection that you require as a human being is threatened. Or the coercion piece. If you don't do this for the family, we're not going to eat. If you don't do this for the family, I'm going to have to give away your dog. If you don't do this, then your Aunt Sally is going to kill herself, right? All that manipulation, that guilt tripping. I mean, I really, and I guess because that's what I have seen. You know, I have not worked with a client who was involved um, and coerced and assaulted through, you know, pimping like that. I have not, to my knowledge, let me put that, but the familial I have. And it, it just, it, it, the sensation, as I hear the stories, I feel like an endless supply of too hot and too sticky oatmeal is coating my body as I listen to that. And it is hot and uncomfortable and it sticks and I no matter how much I try to fling it sticks I haven't worked with any clients one-on-one who've been involved in trafficking um like adult 
clients. However, I've listened to a lot of survivor stories um, in the trainings and familial traffic. It's inherently that's always children, right? It starts with childhood, even if they get to be the age of 18 and they're still involved. Familial traffic is always children. I think that's why that hits so heavy. But I mean, it's the same manipulation and coercion tactics in every other form of trafficking, especially when it's your boyfriend, quote unquote, that you're in love with. You got to keep the family together. You got to make this money or we're not going to be able to pay rent. And it's your job. I let you stay here. You're going to you're going to go out and you're going to make this money so that we can pay rent. The next one, online trawling. We kind of touched on that. That is just basically to say um, predators are using the internet more and more. So according to the Exodus Road, which is another one of our sources that we use to gather this information, um, most traffickers know their most victims know their trafficker right but okay here i found it um most of the time traffickers don't have to find someone face to face in order to recruit them they've been using social media so in 2023 72.5 of the Exodus Roads cases involved face-to-face -face recruitment for trafficking, but 27.5 have come from online recruitment, which means online exploitation is increasing. And there are a lot of different forms of online exploitation from finding victims online, grooming them via social media, having them meet up in person, and then basically forcing them into trafficking. Um, but also different forms of online exploitation when we're talking about Pornhub, OnlyFans. There have been a lot of scandals recently that have broke about people being forced to do cam videos by their traffickers. That is exactly what when I saw that and I was kind of leaning into learning, I, I don't remember the name of the movie, okay, but it's in the last year, I can tell you that. And they had this warehouse set up. And in this warehouse, they had these cubicles, literally. And I'm going to say there were 30 girls. Um, and each cubicle had a theme, you know, like Barbie, cheerleader. Think about those uh, sexual innuendos, right, of, of what is makes a sexy, you know, person kind of a thing. And they had the video live stream, whatever you want to call it nowadays. And there were men that were standing around guarding these women with weapon, weaponry, I had to say that word. And they were totally being forced, you know, into that. That's what I was kind of thinking. And, and again, that could probably be on an extreme end. But what about when, I, I guess this is, as I'm kind of thinking this out loud, sex trafficking, it, child pornography, is that not a form of sex trafficking? 
Yeah, because you're profiting off of the sexual exploitation of children. So I feel like that falls into trafficking. However, we are not attorneys. So I can't tell you if definitively legal, but it, it sounds like it. Um, also, if it's going across state lines, you know, any trading of... And I'm thinking about the coercion sexual, yeah. aspect of like, young children, teenagers and tweens, you know, um, especially if you don't know who the other person is that's demanding pictures, video, that's kind of, and I don't know, I'm, and you're right, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm curious now. <laughs> I feel like it. And yeah, I just pulled this up, this article, um, in, it dropped in December of just last year, 2023, the owner of Pornhub, admitted to profiting from sex trafficking videos on their website and had to pay a fine of 1.8 million to compensate the victims um, as a part of their deferred prosecution. Hmm. So if you have a subscription to Pornhub, I'm assuming you can have subscriptions. I don't know. But if you do, then perhaps your money has gone to the sex trafficking of people. And I, that goes back to what we were saying about sex work versus trafficking. Ethical consumption of anything is key to ensure that there isn't any exploitation involved. Um, Very well said. And sometimes, here's the thing, you know, again, there's a line, right? Because there are people who engage and utilize pornography in appropriate ways. And I guess, I don't know how this is going to land, but this is what's coming out. Um, we have to kind of do our due diligence and be ethical in the content we take in. I don't know. How does that land? I think that's where I was trying to go, but then my brain just goes, there is no ethical consumption under late-stage capitalism. <laughs> I love it. But it's like, how do we vet literally every single oh. thing to ensure there's no exploitation? Because that goes, on, that goes beyond sex trafficking because there is yeah. labor trafficking happening to get the cobalt that goes into our phones. So, so the answer, in short, world... Go off grid, learn how to read books that will help you learn how to live off the late no, I, I digress. But yeah. Make I mean, sure you only talk to people within <laughs> your community because you never know what anybody's capable of. Be afraid. Be afraid, everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not a good note. No. But it's so easy to go down. It's so easy to go I down mean, that, especially with the topic of conversation we have today. Because there's so many facets. There's so many nuances. And again, this is just scraping the surface. I mean, go out there and do your own research, everybody, right? L look at, look into what, are, in your culture, wherever you live, right? And because it could be very and vastly different than the culture that Shelby and I live in, in Kentucky, so you got to do your own, too. And exactly. don't just take our word for it. I mean, yes, we're highly intelligent people and we're smart and we're funny. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a keen interest in this. But there's also a point where my brain can only know so much, right? 
Exactly. And another form of trafficking that I just learned about last year at a training specifically for human trafficking by law enforcement, um, the massage parlors that are around, um, there is an entire underground market for massage parlors which use trafficking survivors to perform sex acts in these massage shops. And those are right here in Owensboro. Let me, I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to tell a story without giving away details, okay? Because it is only, uh, hmm, I have no proof. I have no evidence, okay? But um, last year when I started my side hustle, my business, um, doing yoga, right? My yoga was in the evening. It went into the late evening by the time I cleaned up at the studio and got my car loaded. And um, I teach yoga on a specific day at a specific time and have, right? It works for my my fangirl base. They love it. Um, I would get there early, about 5.30, to prepare for my class. And the same car with out-of-town plates would show up It was in the same vicinity of, um, and it is marketed in states, Asian massage parlor, right? And this gentleman would get out of their car, would walk in, and literally within 10 seconds would walk back out with something in his hand and get in his car. Every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, same thing at 8.30, 8.45, but instead it was the, the same truck, that would pull up, um, and I've never seen in my time frame anybody going in and out except for men, many of them with out-of-state plates, and the windows were darkened with curtains. You could not see in or anything, and it was highly, hmm, but I have no evidence. I have no proof. I want to make sure everybody knows this, but it is with my training that I also went through about human trafficking that was put on by law enforcement, was excellent training with knowledge. My spidey senses are like, yeah. And here in our city, it was, I guess in the last seven years, because since I've been working here, there was a massage parlor that was busted in the mall, our little de- de- decrepit little mall. Yeah. Um, and the community was like, oh, but she and he were the most wonderful masseuses. Like, I would go in there, and they would get, I mean, literally, it reverberated in the community. People were shocked. Interesting that people could go in there for regular massages, because um, based on what law enforcement said, a lot of these places, they'll turn you away. They'll be completely booked, quote-unquote. Um, if you're a woman looking for a massage, they'll turn you away. But this type of sex trafficking slash labor trafficking. I feel like it's a combination. Um, They bring people in from other countries and then keep their passports. So they aren't allowed to learn English. They don't have a passport, so they can't go home even if they wanted to. And the money they're earning, those wages are immediately garnished because it's, oh, we brought you over to this country. We are going to hold on to your passport and house you until you make enough money to pay us back for all of this. And then you can go start your life. And guess what? You never make enough to pay them back. 
it's given me vibes of the 1500s of indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. That's why it's modern day slavery because you, you are forcing someone to work on your behalf and you keep all of the profit. Damn, things you learn on a Thursday. Damn. What's the next one? Um, oh, survival sex. So this is for particularly um, when we were talking about how minors cannot do perform. Minors cannot be a part of sex work. You cannot have a minor sex worker. So these are a lot of times foster kiddos who are living on the streets who haven't met a pimp but are turning tricks as the lingo is said on the streets um, to feed themselves, to find a place to stay. Um, so this is where any exchange of goods in return for a commercial sex act means that it is human trafficking. So if someone on the street offers um, oral sex for a pack of cigarettes and that person's human trafficking, right? It okay. doesn't have to be money. Survival sex is just someone who is doing this as a means to survive. They don't have anyone um, coercing them or exploiting them. However, the person who is having that person perform the commercial sex acts could be arrested for human trafficking because technically, even though they're not pimping this person out to other clients, the fact that they are exchanging goods for the service is considered human trafficking. So survival sex could also be um, because you need formula to feed your baby, because yes. you need diapers for your baby, Yes, because you need peanut butter and bread to feed your children. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Moving into exploitation of addiction, I mean, we know that substance use is a coping skill, an unhealthy coping skill for survivors of trauma. Sometimes it's the only way to numb the pain. And those who become addicted to street drugs, opioids, meth, um, traffickers can exploit that and trade drugs for sex and that also goes back to the familial trafficking a lot of the times we see familial trafficking is a parent who's addicted to substances and the only way they can get their fix is by letting not letting forcing their child onto their drug dealer or forcing their drug dealer onto their child i apologize for the way i said that man i'm just feeling heavy right now just had to say that because it's a lot it is a lot. And then the last one is gangs. And I'm just, I did not read about this one, but I'm going to ask a question okay. so I can learn. What I'm thinking is, is this when gangs engage in like CEO pimping, um, Romeo pimping, also maybe even survival sex? Yeah, it's all along the same lines, essentially. Um I don't know a lot about this. I put this on because, again, it's one of the most commonly seen forms of sex trafficking listed on the Polaris Project website. Um, it's when gangs control um, most of the commercial activity on the streets of cities and 
typically a young woman joins the gang for protection and a sense of belonging so that she's safe from other gangs within the city. And then as a part of that gang that she's a part of for safety, um, she's forced to engage in prostitution or commercial sex acts um, and has to give the proceeds that she makes back to the gang. So it's a combination of survival sex, CEO, Romeo pimping. It's kind of all wrapped into one just in that gang um, affiliated sense. Hmm. Well, this has been enlightening so far today with just this, again, scratching the surface, right? And, you know, all of the amazing listeners that we have out there across the world, um, you know, the resources we have, of course, are for our communities and different states here in the United States. In wherever you live, there might be something completely different, but perhaps if you can click on the websites that we'll list you might find, you know, some more information. And I'll even look to see if they're perhaps, again, I'm learning as I go, giving myself a lot of grace. There might even be an international, you know, human trafficking kind of organization. So I'm going to look for that. And if so, I'll list that. But I think as we're closing up for today, it's really important to also leave us with something we can tangibly do, right, to the best of our ability. And so... Um, I think it was the government website, which I'll put on there too, for the U.S. Department of uh, Homeland Security. Yeah. Their little, I'm going to call it little motto, is see, call, and save. And their really important fact that they point out here is they say, at any time, do not attempt to confront a suspected trafficker directly or alert the victim to your suspicions because that can create a lot of danger unknowingly, right? We see something and we go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I got to do something. But we, we need to stop and think, is my intervention, is it appropriate at what level, right? Because safety, safety, safety for myself and for the person who I'm thinking probably needs my help. And uh, it's just safety is so important. And they suggest to call your local law enforcement directly um, or call some of the tip lines that are listed on this website that we'll be listing as well. Um, and you can report anything that you find suspicious. The tip line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And again, the website states that they have highly trained specialists to take reports from the public and law enforcement agencies. Because, you know, sometimes we're all learning new things together. And I cannot assume that everybody in law enforcement has the same knowledge that I do. They might have more knowledge. They might have less, right? So I like that they have this open for law enforcement to call as well to say, hey, this is what we're thinking. We need some help. Guide us. Yeah. And the National Human Trafficking Hotline is also confidential. So they will not take tips on adult survivors of traffickers. But if you yourself are stuck in a situation um, where you are having to do things against your will, um, they you can call the National Human Traffic Hotline. And again, 
confidentially, they will give you advice similar to our hotline here at New Beginnings, our crisis line. Um, Unless it's a mandatory reporting situation that involves children, we are here for support of survivors. And that means empowering you to make the decisions that you need to make moving forward and finding safety in what that looks like for you. Very well said. And I want to leave our listeners with some hope, right? Because there are many people who once someone intervenes and helps them to um, get out of a dangerous situation, that they do go on to heal and have pretty fucking amazing lives. And I have had the honor to listen to several people's stories and they're out there. Like you can find them and read stories of hope. And there are specific, I'm going to use the word centers all over the United States, just like us here in Kentucky in Owensboro that work with and help those um, who are survivors. And I think that's important to know, right? Like, um, The human spirit is amazing. And the truth is, in life, we just need one person. One person who believes us, who sees us for our most beautiful, authentic self, validates us for who we are, and helps us along the way. We We just need one person. And the person listening, that might be you. Wow, Jennifer, thank you so much for leaving us on that note of hope because I so easily get stuck in the doom spirals of, wow, there is so much evil and bad shit happening in the world and it's really easy to feel like there is no help, but you're right, healing is possible. Establishing safety after trauma and all of the hard stuff is possible. And there are resources out there to help. Absolutely. And it's been a pleasure today, Shelby. I kind of, even though it's a heavy topic, I feel a little bit lighter. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, I I think it was ending on that note of hope. I think you're you're an inspiration to me, Jennifer. (laughs) Well, thank you. I love it. And uh, we're going to close out today's episode. Um... With just telling everybody, thank you for being you today. Thank you for listening. And as always, you can change the world tomorrow. Just by listening today. Thank you, everybody. See you guys later. Well, we've made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We hope you'll take something you heard today and use it to change the world tomorrow. We wanted to thank our music producer, Seth Hedges, from Uriah Wild Media. His website is in the show description. Also, a big shout out to Roddy Newton, our technical advisor. See you next time. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 26, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the U.S. Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this program are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. Thank you.